Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Punches and Potables. I am your host, Paul Ryan, here once again with my co-host, my pain-in-the-ass little brother, Sean Hardy. Paul, before we start... We're not going to throw this. Nope. Don't right. do not do it. Nope. Right, not doing it. You're not just getting not doing thing. it. Get not doing your, it. Get into your thing. You waste the space. You should have been swallowed. Anyway. Jesus Christ. As always with us, our editor and producer, Dan Morgan. <laughs> Did you... <laughs> I want to say that I feel like you've been like you had that one prepared, but I know better, and I know that this is just how it goes with you two. And I, I'm excited for us to to really focus in on the brotherly love of two Cowboys fans talking UFC today. Paul's a fake Cowboys fan, dude. Always a fake everything. He's the fakest of five rings Cowboys fan. He doesn't even watch the games. <laughs> he watches highlights and comes down and goes, "Did you see that play? Yeah, Paul. I fucking watched it live." Oh boy. Uh-oh. He's full of shit. We all know uh, he's full of shit. I don't know, man. Always been I'm, full of I'm shit. Leaning, I'm leaning Sean here. You were going to do that regardless, no matter what was said. That's true. If you talk to Papa Hardy, <laughs> he'll tell you. Papa Hardy will tell you straight up. Like they li- We called it the down, out, and up, because when Dallas did bad, Paul would go down the hallway and up the stairs. <laughs> so full of shit. No, I'm not. But <laughs> as you guys have probably noticed, we're missing a voice. Rob Huber is not here today. Good nobody's, or bad? Nobody's missing it. I said he's missing, good or bad. You said we're missing a voice. Well, yeah, he's not here. We're missing a voice. No, we're not missing it. All right, well, that's fair. He's not here. Good or bad, he's not here. Good. Sucks to suck, Rob. Yeah, yes. The voice is just absent, not <laughs> yeah. really missing. He's, uh, yeah, we're definitely going to get an angry message about this later. Mm-hmm. But we got some good stuff to get into while we've been away. First off, we're going to start with the two main events that happened before last weekend's pay-per-view. So we're going to start off with Curtis Blades. Versus Derek Lewis. What do you got, Sean? Yeah, uh, Derek Lewis's knockout on that was absolutely insane. Timed the uppercut perfectly. I'm pretty sure Curtis Blades didn't even know he got hit by the time he woke up. He was trying to figure out what happened. In fact, I think I read his lips when he said, yo, what happened? And uh, honestly, to, for, to me, that pushes Derek Lewis for next in line for the title shot between Stipe. Well, Correction, not next in line. He's now behind John Jones, but he should be the guy I definitely talked about. If not John's f- first fight in the heavyweight division for the title shot after Stipe and Nganu get their stuff worked out. Yeah, he's definitely in a weird place, and that was definitely a mistake by Curtis Blades. He took a bad shot, a very ill time shot from too far away, which Derek Lewis timed that uppercut very nice and then laid, what, one or two more hits while he was on the ground before Herb stepped in? Yeah, and this kind of seems to be Curtis Blades' M.O. He kind of seems to be the guy who gets the one shot before the title, and just he blows it. He blew it twice against Ngannou. He now blew it against Lewis. He's he's turned it into the Michael Bisbing of the heavyweight division, only Bisbing eventually finally got the gold. Yeah, and Curtis didn't need to take that shot. He was winning the stand-up. He was staying at range, chipping him up with his shots, and chewing up that leg. With Lewis, it seems to be if you can stay away, and and you can pick him apart from the outside. You just you really just got to avoid the one shot. And I know it's obviously really hard to do considering he's got a knockout resume that's really starting to pile up. But with Lewis, it seems like all you got to do is wait him out. If you can get to the fourth and fifth round, the dude can't move other than when he knocked. No, that was a three round fight. The three round fight. Yeah. So if you get him to the fourth and fifth round, the guy's got no sort of cardio. You know he's gonna you know he's gonna gas, which is why I don't think he'll be able to survive against a guy like Stipe. Well, that's. Well, you you already said what's next for these guys. He he should be fighting for the belt, winner of Stipe and Ngannou. But because of John Jones, now he's in a weird place. 
Should he probably fight John Jones for the next title shot? Yes, he should, but you know Dana White's not going to let that happen. And he said he's not going to wait around, so now he's in an odd place. And there's two names you could throw at him. One we'll talk about in a second. The other one is a possible rematch with Alexander Volkov. The unfortunate thing, well, the fortunate thing for Jones, I know you said Dana White wouldn't happen, but I think John Jones, much like GSP was, although I think GSP really jumped the line at that middleweight division because he was inactive for so long. Uh, when you're John Jones and you've cleared out two separate generations of fighters and you want to make the jump to fight for the belt, I think he's earned every bit of that. And I'm the, I, I've said many times on this podcast that I do not like people jumping weight classes and getting immediate shots, but someone like Jones, he gets the immediate shot right away. Yeah, so what's next for Curtis Blades? That one's easy. It will be the loser of the next fight we're talking about because the following week, the main event was also a heavyweight fight. It was Cyril Gaon versus Jahir Zinho Rosenstrike, and Cyril Gaon basically, it wasn't the most exciting fight, but he did what he needed to do to win. He won, got the clean sweep, 5-0, and just stayed on the outside, grappled when he needed to, and just kind of threw punches to throw punches to basically stack up the numbers and win. I wouldn't even necessarily give him the loser. I'd give him the winner of that, unless you want to give the winner of that to Derek Lewis. Um, well, that's kind of where I was going. Cyril Gunn's now in that same space, too. You have Volkov uh, and Lewis in front of him. Yeah, it's well, what are the rankings now? I'm sure they've got to be close. I mean, if you look at the rankings. I think Gon is four. Uh, Lewis is five. Or no, I'm sorry, no. Volkov is five. So right now you got Derek Lewis sitting at the number two, Curtis Blade sitting at the number three, Gain at four, Volkov at five, and Rosenstrike at six. Well, that yeah, I was going to say Curtis Blades versus Rosenstrike would probably be next. Yeah, I mean, it depends on when he wants to turn around. I wouldn't mind seeing Curtis Blades and Volkov go back at it again. I think that fight kind of makes sense, the three against the five. Um, it's Volkov's opportunity to crack into the top three and Curtis Blades' opportunity to keep himself in the top three. Um, I mean, Cyril Gaines, you know, he's he's another one. This whole di- The whole heavyweight division is going to be messed up by this John Jones thing because you're going to have guys taking fights to lower-ranked people, and it just it's not going to make it, – it's going to – this is why I also hate it because it's just going to clog everything up, and and guys are going to end up losing their spot because they're going to take a random fight and get knocked out. It happens all the time. So similar to what Dana's doing right now with the lightweight division because he's holding on for Khabib? Yeah, it's, that's a whole situation that's even worse than this heavyweight. Jones at least deserves it. Khabib's retired. At least throw an intern belt so these guys have something to fight for. Yeah, stop holding up the whole division just because you're holding on to hope that Khabib will come back for Connor too because that's what he wants. I blame him. You know how many records that thing? Well, Connor's going to win a fight, and then it'll break a record. So Connor's probably going to get something on the back end to win to he's, put him back there. He's got to get through Dustin again because they're already saying that's going to happen in June. Yeah, but look, I know you and I were pretty on opposite sides of the last time we thought these two were going to fight, but something tells me that this one's not going to happen when it's supposed to happen, and Connor's going to look for an easier fight to get a win. Oh, so now you're flipping it? Now you're me from the last time? Yeah, but I won't want to cry about it like you did. <laughs> there's, a, there's a difference in flipping things and seeing how things change your perspective, to, to be fair to both of you. And I would agree at this point that Connor seems like he really needs to go in there and get some kind of, I don't know if you call it a layup, but I mean, he, he does have to win a fight at some point. The, the name recognition will always be there, but even the more casual public perception has to be that he hasn't really done anything significant and honestly 
any ring in quite some time. Yeah, they're saying, uh, well, his coach came out today and said Connor's obsession with boxing is what cost him his fight with Poirier because his whole camp was focused on boxing and not anything else. Look, he can box all he wants, and I've said it here, and I know Rob has reiterated it a hundred times. Connor has some of the best boxing, pure boxing, in the UFC. I'm talking top to bottom, any division, he has some of the best pure boxing in the UFC. However, because of that, he relies so heavily on his hands that he doesn't check leg kicks the way he's supposed to, which is how Dustin finished him. He doesn't focus on his wrestling the way he should to, which is why Khabib was able to manhandle him. So until he can fully round out his full ability in MMA, and I'm not saying he can't, because let's be real here, I know you don't like him. I'm not a crazy fan of him either, but Connor's incredibly talented. But unless he's purely focused on the MMA aspect and not just simply the boxing aspect, I don't think he's ever going to be able to end with these guys. Really, the head games aren't working. I don't think he's ever going to really be able to get in there and win win against these guys anymore. Well, he stopped the head games, which is what's hurting him. But from what I've seen, he wants to do Dustin, too. Then he wants to go box Pacquiao. Then he's talking about a rematch with Max. And now the new one I'm hearing is he wants to do WrestleMania next year. Well, and Sean, to your point, too, this is where I thought you were going with it, but now I'm going to then. Yeah. Top to bottom in the UFC, he's one of the greatest boxers. That doesn't make you a good boxer in boxing. That's kind of the thing. Is a boxer is going to walk in the UFC and get his ass beat in every other method. It's mixed martial arts. But people that are professional boxers, all they've done their whole goddamn life is box. He's not that good of a boxer. So even making the jump, thinking, "Oh, well, I'm the best, one of the best in UFC at this," that puts you so far down the ladder in boxing. And I don't think people talk about that enough because I think a lot of MMA people, you know, might kind of look down on boxing and say, "Well, all they're doing is this." But you have to realize how much more honed at the craft they are as a result. They're they're such like specialty artists of it. And Connor's nowhere near most of those guys, and it's been proven up and down already. Oh, one hundred percent. And to go in against Pacquiao is just suicide. We saw what Mayweather did to him. Mayweather played with him and picked him apart. But Mayweather doesn't have the punching power of Pacquiao. He gets clipped by Pacquiao. It's good night. But in all fairness to Pacquiao, he doesn't have the rope of dope and he doesn't have all the stuff that Mayweather has. So Connor I'm not again. I'm not saying Connor. Right, that, that's going why to beat it him. just proves that Connor doesn't belong there because it doesn't matter what kind of boxer you're facing. There's different levels to types of boxers, but either way, whether it's a guy who is the best defensive fighter of all time or a guy with knockout power like Pacquiao, either way, you don't stand a chance. They're, they're gonna they're gonna fight their fight, and you're just gonna be at their whim. Whether that's leaving you looking like a mess for the whole time or potentially putting you on your ass. Plus, they're longer, too. Boxing fights are longer than... If I remember right, boxing is definitely longer than the UFC fights. I, I, I mean, I think they're all 10 rounds. I don't think there's anything less. Is there? um, When Connor fought... I mean, I guess since these are, like, gimmick fights, they that, they could have had it different. I think when Connor fought Mayweather, they were 12 two-minute rounds, so he could have went 24 minutes. So it's about the same as an MMA title fight. Which goes to the point, further the point, that Connor has no cardio outside of the second round. Yeah, if he doesn't... Catch so, a good punch, like his, because he does have a puncher's chance because he has that power. If he doesn't catch him early, he's done. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, look, I think Pacquiao's going to wipe the floor with him. I think if Connor's going to make the transition to boxing, there's got to be mid to low range boxers who have enough hype that Connor can carry them and still sell. Connor's going to carry people regardless, but you need someone with a little bit of name recognition for it to really sell, and then that's when he can get his boost. But anyway, back to the point. Um, Somehow we got completely off the heavyweight topic and on the <laughs> Conor McGregor. 
probably because you know the hype is that real. I, I just didn't want the the boxing part to go out the window. I know we talk UFC and MMA, but when you talk about Connor and stuff, you 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 have to give the the boxing world its credit too. That it was pretty disrespectful of him to think he could just go over there, well, and and it's transferring now to UFC, showing that he he's disrespected both of them now, and he's paying the price. Well, before we jump into the pay per view for over the weekend, he did mention WrestleMania. Since you are more of the wrestling guy here, who do you think he'd face? I have no idea, man. I haven't watched wrestling since. I mean, I probably last WrestleMania. If we're if we're being honest. All right, so we need to get Corey on the phone. Yeah, I mean they're gonna they're gonna throw me at him. They're not gonna give him anybody. Well, I know he's gone back and forth a couple times with like Drew McIntyre on no Twitter, way. but I don't think they do that. No way. They get enough. enough flack for what they do that they're definitely not going to give him somebody in the title picture for sure, and probably not anybody all that close. So the Miz? Yeah, that I mean, that honestly seems about right. <laughs> I thought he just won something I seen on social media that he just won something. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he he won that his wife has amazing knockers. That's what he won. You God can't argue damn. that. Can't argue that at all. Where's Robert when you need him? Because he's usually all over the Instagrams. <laughs> no, I got that one covered. Don't worry. All right, Dan, we'll show you later. But moving on, we're going to jump into the big pay-per-view that passed this weekend, UFC 259. We're going to start off with the televised uh, prelims. The first one, boom. Rogerio Bontorin versus Kai Kara France. That one was pretty close. The grappling exchanges, Rogerio won. But once it was able to get back to its feet, Kai Kara France put him away. Yeah, and I really liked it because I won money off it because I bet on France. Um, I didn't really know too much about either one of these guys going into it, so I just took a guess. And uh, you are right. To, actually, I'm pretty sure if I remember right, that fight was pretty much over and France called him. He well, it was at the in, end of the first. Yeah, he had but... him in trouble. He had his back. He had France's back. France somehow got out of it, got up, and uh, ended the fight, what, with like 10 seconds left, something like that? Five seconds left in the first. Yeah. Oh, man, that's got to suck. Could you imagine waking up and realizing you only have five seconds and you would have survived to the second round? Oh, kind of like when Paul Hardy just shows up at your house to do a podcast without confirming he's coming and you have five seconds to get up. I'm hearing a lot of whining from that producing chair. That was actually a Paul Ryan move. Paul Hardy would have never did that. Fair. Moving on. Uh, in the flyweight division, Joseph Benavides versus Askar Askarov. Um, this one wasn't very competitive at all. Askarov kind of... Won every round. Benavides wasn't really a factor in this fight at all. I wouldn't say he got any 10-8 rounds, but it was clear every round went to Askarov. Um, look, Benavides is done. Uh, he's not that competitive in the UFC anymore. He's only probably as high as ranked as he is because he hasn't really fought recently other than losing to the belt. I think it was his last fight when he lost yeah, twice he lost in a row. Yeah, he lost to uh, Figueredo twice. Yeah, he lost to Figueredo twice. Now he's, lost, he's dropped three in a row. Um, I think his ranking's really only there of name recognition anymore because really the flyweight division still, since Demetrius Johnson and Henry Cejudo have left, the, the flyweight division does not have any real big name, like star power. Now, don't get me wrong, Figueroa's getting there, and him and what's his name are going to start putting them really on the map after that first fight. Moreno. Moreno. Um, so to me, dropping three in a row, I wouldn't be shocked if the UFC gives him the boot. They might give him one more opportunity because he's been with the company for. I don't know, five, 10 years at least. Well, ever since the WEC, since they've owned that. Yeah, so we'll just stick with 10 as a safe number, probably more. Um, you know, he's he's going to go down as one of the best fighters to never win a belt, which seems to be the, uh, the 
uh, what's it called? The uh, uh, I just lost Team it. Alpha Male. Team Alpha stigma. Male stigma. You know, they all get there except for Garbrandt and Dillashaw. Even though I think, yeah, and Dillashaw won it when he was first a part of Team Alpha Male. Hasn't won it since. So, um, yeah, I would like to see Benavides. I, th- I think he's gone. He's going to end up in PFL or whatever else. Um, yeah, I would say Askar is probably looking at a top five name at this point with the win over Benavides. So he's probably looking at either Alex Perez or a Rob Font. Yeah, definitely. Um, which for him is is honestly he's probably he might be in title contention. He might be the next guy up. Actually, I would say he is the next guy up because I think Benavides was the two and he was the three. And that puts you right there. Yeah, I would say probably one more fight because of Moreno. So probably, like I said, either Fon or Perez because those guys are right there too. And Perez got that title fight off a of short notice. I'm sticking. If I'm him, I hold out and I go, Dana, I want that title shot. All right, moving on to the next one. You had Song Yudong versus Kyler Phillips and another easy one to score. Uh, Kyler Phillips. Clearly won over Sung Yudong, and he's going to find himself with a ranking with a number next to his name this week. Yeah, it wasn't even competitive. The fight I don't, I don't even think the fight's even worth going into. It was pretty much a dominant fight from the start to the finish. Yeah, Sung Yudong is probably going to fall out of the rankings. Phillips is going to come in, and he's probably going to get somebody like Chito Vera next. Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. Close enough. I mean, I'm looking at this Instagram now, Dan, and yo... Just saying, I've. You're I've, welcome. Yeah, no, I've definitely lost my train of thought, especially off the uh, first picture. Whew. Good for <laughs> him. Going from MTV to WWE to that. Good job. Either way. Golf clap. I don't really care what you go to to get that, but, uh, wow. <laughs> that could be a golf clap or the sound of something else. Take it as you want it. I was waiting for her. That's what she said, joke. Anyway. Relax, Michael Scott. <laughs> All right, to the main card of the prelims. You had Dominic Cruz coming out with a split decision win over Casey Kenny. And Cruz needed this fight. He did. And I thought it was clear Cruz won one and one and three, and I thought Casey won five, but I thought Cruz did enough to win the fight. I think Cruz saved his job as a fighter because I think he's still going to be a commentator, but as a fighter, I think he saved his job. Um, oh, excuse me. Um, I just I, look. I think he's another one. He's his better days are obviously behind him. That awkward looping style. I'm amazed someone hasn't completely figured it out. And well, Garbrandt, I guess, would be the one who figured it out a little bit ago because Garbrandt put him on his ass what four times in that fight. So, to me. Cruz is going to sit around that 9-10 spot, and I can't see him beating anyone ahead of him anymore. I'd actually like to see him fight Aldo at this point just to have the legacy fight between the two of them and let them both retire after that fight. Call that both of their retirement fights. Well, I had a different Legends fight in mind. Now, I Kenny, he was on a three-fight win streak coming into that fight. He's in bantamweight with Song Yedong. I think those two should fight next since they were both losers on the same card. But I thought the legend fight, especially since he just fell in the ranking after getting knocked out the way he did, would be Dominic Cruz, Frankie Edgar. No, because look, I think Frankie Edgar is, I know he just got knocked out and it was devastating. I got it. But I still think Frankie Edgar has the potential to get up there and potentially fight for the belt. I'm not saying win it, but potentially fight for the belt. I can't see Cruz and Aldo even getting close to the belt. Aldo got that fight for the belt after coming off a loss out of pure name and push from Dana White. He should have never fought for the belt when he did. 
And Cruz is obviously, his days are way behind him. So at that point, let them both two go at it. Call it a day. I mean, you might see that in Bellator in the next two to three years because that's a very Bellator move. Well, it sounds like from what we were talking that Aldo is being booked against Cody, so that only leaves Frankie, really. Well, Aldo didn't sign because Cody was bitching. Cody went out to social media. He was bitching, like, sign the contract, sign the contract. Um, I'd rather see Aldo versus Cruz because you have two longtime champions at least fighting each other. But actually, I wouldn't mind seeing Gar. Well, they train together, so I don't think it'll happen. I, say, I wouldn't mind Garbrandt versus Frankie, but they train together, so I don't think it'll happen. Yeah, it's because Garbrandt's now uh, splitting his camps between Alpha Male and Frankie's camp out in Jersey. Crazy, huh? One guy got kicked out of the gym for doing that, and now they're all doing it. I know. It's just like, you know, it seems like uh, Mr. Faber is a little hypocritical when it comes to certain people. Yeah. Yeah, well, I guess because TJ had the belt when he did it. I don't know. I think it was more because he went with Dwayne and Faber and Ludwig weren't getting along. Yeah, but how many head coaches does they run through? Like, it's it can't just be Dwayne because they had Martin Campman, they had Dwayne Ludwig, they had a few people there, and everyone seems to leave after a short period of time. Yeah, it doesn't look good for Team Alpha Male. And even, you know, their best female prospect kind of packed up and left on them in Paige. That was their big name for a while. Yeah, and you know what kind of sucks? It's because her and Cody probably dated and they broke up, and that's probably what caused the split. But Paige's peak performance was when she was with Alpha Male. Was when she was with Alpha Male. All right, but moving on to the main card. The first fight was a not very exciting, but um, if you guys watched UFC, that happens from time to time from the big heavy hitters where they become a little hesitant. I kind of hope they watch. Otherwise, why are they listening to us? That's fair. Um, but Alexander Rakic was able to uh, get the win over Tiago Santos. Look, uh, Tiago Santos, I'm not saying he was fool's goal because he had a nice run there for a little bit, but I'm saying since he's since Jones pretty much blew out both his knees in that fight, he really hasn't been the same. Yeah, I think he, st- he needed to take more time and heal before he came running back and trying to take these fights too quick. I don't know if it's he needed more time to heal because he was out for a while, but it's just I, I don't think you know you have two major injuries on your knees like that. I don't know if you're ever going to come back the same. That's true, but uh, yeah, it wasn't a very exciting fight. There was a lot of hope that those guys would go in there and throw and somebody would go to sleep, but it didn't happen. But now that puts Alexander Rakic right into the title conversation. Glover to share is definitely next. But uh, Rakic is right there, and I think he should fight the winner of Dominic Reyes and Jiri Prochaska for the next title fight. I was actually going to say Dominic Reyes. I didn't realize Dominic Reyes was signed. So I would say Dominic Reyes. That, that, absolutely, because Reyes, what, he, his last loss was Blaschewitz, and he Jones. arguably beat Jones. Yeah, a lot of us, including Dan, thought he beat Jones. Um, I caught the fight late. I thought it was a little bit closer than you initially made it out to be, but... I would also agree with you that I probably would have picked Reyes in the win. But again, you got to be the champ, you got to beat the champ. You can't leave it close. And you see it far too often that close fights typically go to the champion. As for Tiago Santos, um, I'm looking at either a rematch with Anthony Smith or a fight with Vulcan Ustamir. Um, I mean, for him, I, I just want to see him take a little bit of time off in that sense. Not rush right back because, like I said, it's, he's just not the same. Maybe you're right. Maybe he didn't heal in time. Or or even if he goes back, you know, you got Ozdemir. Well, you got Krylov. Oh, Johnny Walker just signed. So 
maybe someone on the back end, even like a Ryan Spawn, Jimmy Crew type deal, someone along them lines, just to get him a win again, just to get him back on track, someone still ranked, and to keep him moving forward, or to see if he's really done or not. Yeah, that could uh, that could definitely change the trajectory of his career. Maybe it could be he's the next one on the move to Bellator. Yeah, you know what's crazy is I would have never thought in saying that Bellator has one of the best has the best division in MMA in anything, but I actually really believe Bellator is the best light heavyweight division right now, out of all of them. I don't really know too much about one FC's light heavyweight division to really say anything, but between the UFC and Bellator right now, the light heavyweight division is much stronger in Bellator than it is over here. I agree because most of the top guys who would probably be like one, two, three ranked are in the UFC are over there right now. Yeah, if you're Bader, you got to be itching to get back to the UFC and get that gold. Hell, Phil Davis. Um, I think Bader's better than Davis, so. Uh, I think uh, Bader is, but I also think Bader's bigger and stronger, which helps him. I think maybe technique-wise, Phil Davis is a little better, but that strength and size is definitely in Bader's spot, uh, favor. Well, you're going to find out, because in that tournament, I'm sure they're going to run into each other at some point. If I remember right, they're lined up pretty close in the uh, brackets. They're on the opposite sides. The only way they meet is if they go to the finals. Uh, I thought... I thought uh, Davis was right below him. Phil Davis is on the same side as Yoel in uh, Rumble. Yeah, why would you would do that fight first is beyond me. To bring people in. But moving on, uh, the next one was a lightweight fight. Habib's prodigy, Islam Makachev, just steamrolled through Drew Dober and was able to f- pull off the submission in the third and finish him. It was a very Khabib-like fight. He took him down, he beat him up, and then he choked him out. Just to choke him out. Uh, I will say this. He does look like a younger and better shaped version of Khabib. He probably could have gotten the submission sooner, but he rushed them some of the positions and he lost them. Yeah. Yeah. But Khabib called it in the next couple of years, this guy's going to be champion because no one at the top four can beat him. And who better to know that than the guy who's pretty much beat the top four? And nobody wanted to fight him. That was also one of the problems. Look, when you're a, young, when you're a hot name coming up, I wouldn't want to risk my ranking to fight you either. I, I know it's selfish, and I'm the perf- and then again I'm being hypocritical because I'm usually the one who says fighters need to fight. That's their job. But if I can take a fight that's going to be close to my ranking, where even if I lose, I'm not moving down too far, or I can take a guy who's like 13 and I'm the five, and if I lose, I'm dropping seven, eight spots. But there, but there are some guys who like understand also that that can vault their career too. Everybody knows this is the, the hot guy, and if you actually put the stop to him, then that's going to jump you a lot more than taking that fight near you too. So, I mean, it's a risk-reward, it's a risk reward, but it's not all downhill. But it, it does tell you, you know, the business aspect of it, which is something that I don't think is talked about that much, which is something you guys tend to hit really well. Yeah, we're going to get to that with one of the fights that are coming up. Um, but for, I would say, Drew Dober, a good fight for him which is somebody who's kind of in the same spot as him, who was right outside the top 15, would be uh, Bobby Green. I thought Bobby Green was booked. He was, but he got he was, uh, but he was pulled out with that fight with Jim Miller. They were oh. supposed to fight, and then the day of the fight, he got pulled because he was having uh, kidney problems. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Bobby Green's on a... Well, he's he's got... I'm not saying winning streak, but I think he's like three of his last four or something like that. Yeah, three of his so last he's, four. He's looking to get into the top 15. Drew Dober's... A, Probably, I think he was in the top fifteen. He was, but he dropped out. He was so, like the fifteen. Yeah, so they're right they're along the same spot, trying to work their way back up. Yeah, it makes sense because so now you're both trying to get back to that fifteen spot and and keep your your well, Bobby Green's late surge going forward because he was he had a hot start, got knocked out. Didn't Barbosa finish him first? Uh 
he got finished by a couple people like when he first came in. I know Poirier put him away, Barbosa put him away, and I think Michael Johnson finished him too. Whoever it was, someone put him away first though. Like whoever the first guy was, and then it just sent him on a downward spiral. And he kind of never because remember he was a hot prospect coming in. He was beating people up. Um, he was another one out of that New York camp, if I remember right. He was out of that Weidman camp. Weidman became the champ. This kid was on fire. Like everyone thought that camp was going to take over for a little bit. I thought he came from the Diaz camps. I thought he was Weidman. Yeah, we'll have to look it up. We either both of us could be right or both of us could be wrong. You might have switched. Um. So yeah, no, the fight makes sense. And for Drew Dober, you're just looking to get back into the win to potentially get your ranking back. As for Islam Makachev, I know he already called out Chandler, but I don't think Chandler's going to take that fight. So you got to look ahead to see who's in front of him is going to take that fight. And right now the two names are either Rafael Dos Anjos or Benil Dariush. I'm going to assume Benil Dariush because I think RDA is going to try and push forward. I think he's going to try and get someone in front of him. And he should. You know, he's a former champion. Uh, if I'm actually RDA, I'm looking to try and get a fight with Chandler or someone in that range. Uh, maybe even Dan Hooker. Yep, Dan Hooker or a rematch with Ferguson. How do we talk about Dan Hooker on every single episode of this fucking podcast? Because he's that he's that gatekeeper. You want to get towards the title shot and those big guys, you got to get through Hooker. It's like it's like most guys fight like twice a year, if that, three times at like most, and this guy's literally being talked about every week. That's how Paul was with Michael Johnson for a little while. He was like every other week, he was like, yeah, I think Michael Johnson would fight this guy. Like Michael Johnson should have been cut from the UFC four years ago. <laughs> he's on his way out. On his way out, he shouldn't be there. Dude, he's a, he's like four fights below five. How many fighters get to four fights below 500 and don't get cut? It's a good question. None, Paul. Maybe. None is the fucking answer. Not one. Okay? All right, well, moving on to the first title fight of the night, which ended in a very bad situation. Peter Jan lost his belt to Aljamain Sterling off of an illegal knee. Yeah, Peter Jan's a fucking asshole. An okay. idiot. There, there was no question. Like, you can't even look at that and go, oh, I thought he was standing. Like, this wasn't one of the situations where, like, he had a hand down and you were along the fence. The dude was literally on his knees. You grabbed his head and kneed the fuck out of him. Like, Peter Jan is an idiot and deserved to lose his belt. Now, do I think Sterling may have played it up a little bit? Yeah, yeah, he definitely played it up a little bit. But, I mean, I ain't saying the dude wasn't seeing stars and wasn't knocked out. That fight should have been called immediately. I don't even know why they brought a doctor and it was like, do you think he's gonna? Be, you think he's good? Like, or that, the fact that he had to do a post-fight interview with Joe Rogan? Yeah. He said he wanted to do that, which was dumb. They should have yeah, told he, him no. He doesn't get to decide what he wants to do after that. He That's kind of re- the point here. He can't even remember what he said. There's no way. I've had multiple concussions like that, and people have said, "Yeah, we had a full conversation." Like, yeah, couldn't tell you a single word that I've we had talked five. about. Five. I have no idea what happened after any of them. I think me and you have both had a few diagnosed and undiagnosed. So, I've had my fair share. But the thing is, Jan didn't even need to do it. He was winning. He was up two rounds to one, and Sterling was starting to gas, and it was, it was only a matter of time. It was just stupid on his part. But I am going to go on a little bit of a rant here, and I talked about this at the beginning. For the fighters and the fans who are crying about Jan losing the belt off of a disqualification, is just dumb. Now, do I, should have Sterling gotten the belt because he was disqualified? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it sh- they should be having a rematch for a vacant belt. I'm okay with that. But to say he shouldn't lose the belt off of him throwing a blatantly illegal knee is just dumb because that takes away any consequences of the champion. Say Stipe, is, Stipe beats Ngannou when he's fighting Jones and he's starting to lose. What's to stop him from throwing an illegal knee, putting Jones out, 
taking the loss, but he still walks out the champion and comes into the next fight with the champion's purse. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you, you brought up WrestleMania earlier. Like, that's that's the dumbest thing in wrestling, but that's how they do, like, storylines and stuff is the belts can't change hands that way. You don't want that when it's real. Like, yeah. it's it's unfortunate, but you know it going in, too. And then for people to be to act like that wasn't the rule and, like, that hasn't always been the case is just – it's ludicrous. Look, I'm not saying you ever want to – like, look, I was in, I, I wrestled my whole life, you know, and I, I believe in best of the best I actually won and I placed fairly high in the tournament because the kid ended up doing – I forget what happened. Long story short, he couldn't wrestle and I ended up getting a win off a forfeit. And a win's a win. Was I happy to walk out of there with a ribbon? Yeah, sure. But was it a real win? No, and that's exactly how Sterling feels. He knows this isn't a real win, and honestly, he was losing that fight. I don't. It looked like a frustration knee from Jan. It looks like he was just mad or frustrated about something, and just said "fuck it" and just need him. And and then I mean, well, if you Demetrius Johnson said he thought Sterling was stalling the fight and he shouldn't have been able to stay on his knees, and that knee should have been legal. But if you want to have that argument, that's a debate for a different day. No, I'm not disagreeing with you, and I kind of agree with DJ because I, I don't like I do kind of agree in the sense that it is a start a stall tactic that a lot of guys typically use, especially when they're up against the fence. They throw their hand down on the ground so they can't get kneed in the face, and I get it. I mean, it is what it is. But like, what also kind of drove me nuts is when Jan's sitting there with his hand raised after you just clearly did something illegal. Again, a DQ, a win is a win. A DQ, you know, it changed hands. The fight obviously has to happen again. But at this point, it's on Sterling's terms. If St- if Sterling wants to make Jan wait, Sterling has every right to make Jan wait because Jan made Sterling wait for two camps. And if I'm Sterling, I'm flipping him the bird and saying this concussion. Dude, who knows if he comes back from this concussion? Who was the big lightweight years ago? They thought he was going to be one of the best in the world. He got a concussion in training and was never able to come back. T.J. Miller? It, was, it might have been. I don't remember who. But there was a fighter... I don't know what six seven years ago, yeah, maybe he, a little sooner, maybe a little later. He was dominant. He, they thought he was going to be the greatest thing ever. He was coming up. He was killing everybody. Got a concussion in training and was never able to return. Well, T.J. Dillashaw did that to his uh, teammate Chris Holdsworth. He never came back. Yeah, there's like a lot of stories on that side that like it was during training or whatever. But besides the point, I mean, it's concussions are no joke, which is why you're seeing every sport. And I understand that we're talking about concussions in a contact fighting sport where your job's literally to knock someone out. But the reason that this research is all out there in the NFL, the NHL, all of them are doing so much into this is because it's showing brain damage. If Sterling walks out with a serious brain damaging off an illegal knee, first off, I think the UFC should pay him out the ass for that happening to him. And second off, he deserves the belt at that point because he was beaten by an illegal knee even though he was already losing that fight. So I think... The only thing that I kind of disagree with, and it's more of a, you know, kind of like your your idea on picking fights and stuff, is I would say that if Sterling kind of makes him wait and everything, that would be the one thing I have a problem with. And I get your point as to why, but again, if you're going to take the angle of you're not proud to win it this way, obviously he's taking the win, but again, if you're not proud to win it this way and it's not how you would want it to go, then I think the first thing you have to do to make that right is do the rematch and beat him clean. And if you're not willing to get that out of the way, then I think that you kind of deserve to lose some respect. Well, which is why Sterling is getting into a little trouble right now just because of optics. Because the day after the fight, he was taking pictures with the belt, smiling, taking shots with all of his friends, and then he got a picture taken with Henry Cejudo, and now they're talking about Peter Jan can wait. Let's do this fight first. I mean, look, dude, not for nothing – 
I might not be proud that I how I won the UFC champion, but if that was my lifelong goal and I achieved it, whether it was through illegal knee or not, you're fucking right I'm taking pictures with that belt. I'd wear that belt around the house. Well, the thing that people were more upset about was the skipping over Jan to set up a Henry Cejudo fight. Yeah, that's the only thing I'm going to have a problem with. You have to do the rematch. No, I agree. The rematch should definitely happen, and it should be the first fight. Um, whenever Sterling's cleared to come back, it should 100% be the first fight. I'm not going to argue that. However, on the financial side, I do understand why Sterling wants it, and the UFC has turned into a money game, and that's courtesy of Conor McGregor. It's turned into a money game. It's turned into money fights, and Jan may not sell, but you know Sehudo, the king of cringe, will. Although I don't think he's going to sell that much, but... Yeah, that'll definitely be like a co-main event somewhere. Yeah, on a big card. Right, but moving on to the co-main event, the second title fight of the night, the female GOAT. Was no question. Was it a fight? It uh, was a fight for that 16 seconds? Not a fight. Amanda Nunes tapped out Megan Anderson, and that was almost a mercy because Megan was scared coming in, and you could see it in her face. And once Nunes hit her, she froze. She just stood in front of Amanda and let Amanda do what she wanted. So it was almost merciful that she took her down and tapped her out. Um, it's hard to root against Amanda. It really is. But right now, they're talking about flipping her around, getting her back in camp, and having to a turnaround and drop down to 35 and de- defend her Bantamweight title. Um, we'll talk about that in a second. But as for Megan Anderson, well, her out. contract's uh, up. They she's haven't out. said whether or not they're going to resign or not or what they're going to do with the division. No, I've seen that she's out. She's not re-signing with the UFC. Um, the division, Dana White said he's going to keep the division alive as long as Amanda Nunes wants it. That's like straight out of his mouth. He said if, if she wants to stay at 45, we'll keep the division alive. If she does, if she's done with it, we'll we'll get rid of it. It's not, Dude, they don't have a ranking system for the women's 45. They don't have enough. Most of the fighters that are signed under the whatever Zufa or whatever flag it is that they have for 145 are down in Invicta. Yeah, you pretty much got to keep pumping fighters up. From there to fight Nunes, and they're just not on her level. Nobody is on. There's there's maybe two fighters in this world right now that are not even on Nunes's level, but like can compete with her. Step below, and and that's Shevchenko and Cyborg. I think the Cyborg rematch should have happened. I mean, there's a lot of things going on between she wanted it, but Dana White says she didn't want it. And from what I understand, it was a money situation, which is what ultimately led to it. And then that video came out which I think Dana White was kind of a pussy about because he's literally openly mocked Cyborg for looking like a man and having a dick between her legs. So the fact that she kind of said something years later with a he's lying video, come on, Dana. Stop being a bitch and you should have resigned her. You know she's going to sell. She's one of the highest selling women in the world. Oh, 100%. Cyborg is one of the biggest draws, male or female. So to me, there's only two two people to compete with Amanda Nunes and she already beat Shashanka twice. She's knocked out Cyborg. So if she drops down, you maybe have Holly Holm who can Holly not Holm. get caught in the face with a head kick this time around. Holly Holm is out. I know she's she hurt has her to. No, she uh, she's got the kidney swelling. The and kidney everything. thing. Yeah. They have to go do surgery. Right, right. I'm not saying. Well, I'm not saying fight her right now, Paul. I'm just saying like down in the 35 division, there's really only maybe Holly Holm who can really keep up with her. Maybe right now. Jermaine Durandame. And the last one who has a style that could give her trouble who's calling her out is Juliana Pena. She embarrassed Durandame. And I think she's going to – I don't think Pena is that good. I think Pena is the best wrestler in the division. 
At 35, Amanda's a little weaker, depletes herself, and gasses out. So if she can make it a grinding, grappling fight and tire Amanda out, she has a chance. But I'm not going to say it's going to happen. But right now, that's the only fight really to make. Well, it's really not because Juliana Penny is the six. So why in the world would Amanda Nunes come up back from her or back down to the division and fight the six when she hasn't beaten Aspen Ladd, she hasn't beaten Aldana, and she hasn't beaten the, the Russian girl. Kunitskaya. Kunitskaya. Um, so why would she fight Pena? Because Pena got two wins recently. Like, she's, I think, two and one in her last three fights, so now she wants to run her mouth about well, getting a title two shot. And, two and two in her last four. Okay. Um, she was about 30 seconds away from beating Durandame, and then she got caught in the guillotine. Okay, so she lost. Yeah, but she would. it shows she's right there. If she can compete with Jermaine, then she can right Jermaine there with the Jermaine got embarrassed by Nunes, though. Nunes took her down for all five rounds. Yeah, embarrassed. It's not embarrassed. It's just kind of being out-wrestled. Okay. How many factions are in MMA? Many different things. Mixed martial arts? Yep. So Nunes worked, used one of her forms of martial arts to just absolutely abuse and embarrass during the man. Well, that's like saying anybody who fights Khabib gets embarrassed. No, you just got dominated because they're good. Okay, domination, embarrassment. Tomato, tomato, dude. No, emba- hairs. embarrassment is what happened to Ronda Rousey against Holly Holm. That's embarrassment. I mean, look, you can say what it is. We're, I don't even know why we're arguing that Nunez <laughs> wouldn't go through and destroy any one of these women at this point. Holly Holm has got the best shot in that division to beat her. Hands down. And she already got kicked in the face. There's, there's no one else. Pena, okay, we're going to rely on a girl who's 2-2 two and two, right now, ranked number 6, running her mouth to Ariel Hawani about how Nunez is scared of her. Nunez is scared of her. The fuck does Amanda Nunez have to be scared of anyone for? That girl could go into 35 and 45 and compete with, like, the outside of the 15 men. All right, we can't get stuck on this. We got to move on. On to the main event. Stop saying stupid shit, Paul, and we won't get stuck on stuff. I said she could compete. I didn't say she'd win. No, no. But on to the main event. Jan Blahovich retains his light heavyweight title against Israel Adesanya. Um, the first three rounds were competitive when they were on the feet. I thought Izzy won one and three. But then uh, Jan just used his wrestling, took him down, and beat him up on the ground to secure four and five. Kind of went a little opposite from what people thought he was going to do. They thought he was going to wrestle early, then stand with him late. But, hey, he did what he needed to do to get the win. The fight showed why you stay in your weight class. That's the 20. Look, sometimes the, the 35, 45, you know, that's a little bit closer. And 25, the 10 pound gap, it's a little bit closer. A 20 pound gap is ridiculous. Adesanya was undersized. And honestly, he better thank God he fought John Blauschewitz and not John Jones because John Jones would have embarrassed him. Oh, 100%. Jones, or if any of the other heavy hitters were still around, like if uh, Gustafson was 100% and down there, Rumble. Could you imagine him trying to fight one of those monsters? Yeah, look, I like Adesanya, and, you know, it's unfortunate that I couldn't hear Rob's speech about his footwork because he really loves Adesanya's footwork. But uh, footwork don't help with a giant monster like that. And I know we said that about Paulo Costa, but John Blauchowicz is much bigger than Paulo Costa is. And well, this fight also shows some chinks in Adesanya's armor because this is the third time it's happened when he's not able to dominate somebody or get on them early, and they're able to land power shots. He becomes a little hesitant and a little passive, and he freezes up a little bit. Yeah, like with Gastelum. Gastelum, uh, Silva, Yoel. Well, Yoel was bad. 
Dude, Yoel was a bad. It fight. was it was bad, but Yoel landed one or two of those big power shots. You saw Izzy didn't want it. But I mean, that, you know, that's. I mean, every guy has their weakness. These guys have their strategies, and sometimes that's how it goes. And obviously, it was working for him. My my biggest takeaway from this fight, other than what you guys said, which was very clear that he was just the the size difference was a big factor. Was I mean, thank God for this fight because it was still entertaining and like it saved this card because every other fight really had like a lot of problems with it. At least this one, we got five rounds of of pretty good action. Yeah, and and honestly, with with Adesanya, um. Stay at your stay in your lane, dude. Like I know is like stay in your lane. Stay at the the one eighty five level where you're going to be one of the most dominant. Cha- He's going to be the second most dominant champion that eighty five's ever seen. Um, obviously behind Anderson. So to me, stay there. Possibly become the most dominant champion in in eighty five history, passing Silva, which is crazy to think that you have two fighters right now in arguably about to pass two of the greatest of all times in their respective divisions. Between Adesanya potentially passing Silva and Kamar Usman, Kamar Usman potentially. I think Kamar Usman has a better shot at passing GSP, um, GSP that right now than than uh, Izzy does because I think I think this this fight showed a lot more weaknesses in Adesanya's game, like the whole get on top of him and, and chase him down whole thing. So I, I do think that guys like Gaslam and and others are definitely going to. Uh, Causing problems. Well, for Jan, they already said what's next. It's Glover to share. He's earned it. Yeah. Um, this also shows you how weak the light heavyweight division has become with Glover to share getting another shot at like 41. 42 or something like that. Yeah. But for Izzy, he's got options. Um, you have the winner of Yoel Whitaker, but it doesn't, or not Yoel, Paulo Costa Whitaker, but it seems he doesn't want it. He seems he that he wants the winner of Till versus Vittori. Probably because he hasn't beaten them yet. So it he makes more sense. Beat Vittori in a split decision, one of his first fights. Okay, so he's got a win over him years ago, and he I know he wants Till because that'll sell. Yeah. Um, you got two international stars in that sense, so I'm going to assume he would go for that. I'd actually like to see him against Till because Till's an absolute monster. Yes. So we gotta we're gonna move on. Um, we got two fight nights we're gonna get to real quick. Uh, Kevin Holland versus Derek Brunson. That should be entertaining. Kevin Holland trying to make that big step and get in with the big boys, and Brunson trying to keep his status and try to talk his way into getting a top-five fight. Um, I think if Kevin Holland wins this fight, he's going to push himself right into a top-three contender. Kevin Holland's two fights away from the belt. If, yeah. if he'll he probably wins. Yeah, he'll probably get someone like Gastelum, Hermanson, or uh, uh, shoot, Cannoneer-type deal. Yeah, if, again, if he wins. Um, it's all dependent on that. Now, to Sean's point earlier where we say fighters got to fight, we got to give Leon Edwards some credit. He said he wanted to stay on this card after the top guys either couldn't or wouldn't fight him. And he took a fight as the number three against the number 11 who stepped up on short notice in Bilal Muhammad. Um, look, Bilal Muhammad, his last fight, he looked dominant. He went out there. He has a hell of a gas tank on him, so he could definitely poten- to, uh, bring out potential problems. But I just I don't see him beating him. Well, he's won eight out of his last nine. If he can get in there and make it dirty and grind it out, he has a shot. Because the only thing I could see really stopping Leon Edwards from winning this one is ring rust since he hasn't fought in almost two years. Yeah, and he's coming off a bunch of injuries. He's coming off a bunch of COVID problems. So um, it might be it. Ring rust is a real thing as much as GSP likes to say it wasn't. I, I agree with you. I think that might be you might have activity against inactivity being a big thing there, especially in a five round fight. Yeah. 
So moving on to the next big pay-per-view, UFC 260. Um, you have the two title fights and two exciting fights on the main card. First off, you got the young prospects. Um, Sean O'Malley, the return of the Sugar Show, versus Thomas Almeida, who hasn't really been healthy the last couple of years, but at one time was considered to be the next big thing right alongside Cody Garbrandt. Yeah, they fought for it. I think they were both undefeated, and they fought for it, and Cody knocked him out. Yeah, that's how Cody got the Mizugaki fight, then fought Cruz for the belt. Yeah. Um, look, for O'Malley, it's a big step coming back because, you know, he sat there and he whined and cried about how he didn't lose that last fight. You know, it was his body gave out on him. Wham, 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 cry, cry, cry. So for him, I think I, I do think O'Malley's going to end up winning the fight, but I mean, if he can't figure out how to do something with these calf kicks, you know, it's it's going to be a very short career for him. And on the other side, Thomas Almeida can take some of that shine and put it right back on his side and get that top fifteen fight and try to get himself back on track. Yeah, they're both looking to get that top fifteen fight at this point. Actually, I think O'Malley, if he wins this, somehow he'll jump like to thirteen or twelve. They're going to try and push him. Oh yeah, they they want that hype, that attention that was he had. He lost a little bit of that shine, but they're trying to get it back. All right, moving on to the next fight. This could potentially be this guy's final fight if he doesn't win. Tyron Woodley versus Vicente Luque. Woodley needs to win. No questions asked. Um, I would pick Woodley in this fight. I know he's been struggling. He's got the broken rib and everything, but he needs it. He absolutely needs it more than Luque. Um, for Luque, it's a huge step up. If Luque wins, and, you know, that actually jumps him up fairly high into the welterweight division because... Yeah, right now Woodley's a 7, he's the 10. Yeah, so they would probably flip, and then he would be able to make, like, a top 5 call out. Yeah, and he should because at this point, Usman's pretty much about to clear out the top 5. So he's got to find someone who's got to jump in and, and do something. So it was probably going to be that. All right, on to the co-main event, the first title fight of the night. Brian Ortega, who looked phenomenal in his last fight is fighting a guy who is on his way to making an argument for being the best featherweight of all time in the champ Alexander Volkanovsky. I don't know if he's there yet. I still like Max, especially because the last fight was so close and heavily disputed. Oh, that fight could have went either way. I had it for Max. I don't even think it could have gotten either way. I don't even see... I don't know how Volkanovsky even got that win. But again, to beat the champ... To be the champ, you got to beat the champ. So, I like Ortega in that. Um, I like his striking, his wrestling, his his unbelievable jiu-jitsu. Volkanovski, I, I, I don't know what it is. I just, I don't think he's that good. Like, I don't know. I just, You're not sold I'm on not him. I'm not sold on him in any way, shape, or form. And he's got, a, his resume is incredible. Yeah, two wins over Max, a win over Aldo, a win over Chad Mendes. But Aldo and Chad Mendes were both, like, not prime Aldo and Chad Mendes. So it's, yeah, but he still gets the name recognition that comes along with him. Yeah, and Josh Koscheck, you know. Knocked out Matthews in the very, very end of his career. I understand you get the name, but still. Yeah, with like one second left in the first. Yeah, it's not the same. It's like beating BJ Penn at this point. <sighs> I'm pulling for Ortega. I really am, and I hope he wins because I want to see the rematch with him and Max. But I think, I don't know. It's just with his wins, it's hard to, for me to pick against or, uh, Volkanovski right now. I don't think he's on that level like a Nunez where you can't pick against him until he loses. No, there's only like three champions right now who are there. But right, I'm still leaning towards Volkanovski, but I really want Ortega to win. I just want Max to get the belt back. So anyway, he can get that belt back. I'm a huge Max Holloway fan. Uh, so anyway, he can get that belt back. I'm in for it. So for me, it's Ortega all the way for the rooting factor of getting that rematch and Max potentially getting the belt back. Because you know, if it doesn't, if it switches hands, Max is the guy. Oh yeah, 100. percent And on to the main event, the heavyweight title. 
the John Jones sweepstakes. Stipe Miocic versus Francis Ngannou 2. Go ahead. Um, well, I always, I, I've been a heavily favored guy of Stipe. I've, I've always liked him. I've rooted against him many a time, or rooted for him many a times while you were sitting there crying in the corner as he uh, beat up DC and you were trying to figure out what control time meant when you were saying he had four minutes when in fact he had 36 seconds. Over-exaggeration. You can say what you want, but there was witnesses. There was witnesses when you were saying, he's got the first round, he had control time, and we literally looked it up. But anyway, besides the point, the only way I see Stipe winning this fight is avoiding the big guy and don't let him hit you, so I'm assuming we're going to get a boring take-him-down, drag-him-out fight like it was the first time. Well, he's got to hope he can take him down, but I know Francis has been working on it at the Performance Center with his new coaches and over at Extreme Couture. Extreme Couture is not really as scary as it once was, dude. No, but they still have good wrestling based in... uh, Good spot to work on your wrestling and your grappling. Pretty sure Gray Maynard is like one of the top coaches there right now. That's a good wrestling coach to have. But even still, I, I don't know, dude. Look, at this point, I think Stipe has earned the respect of he's not going to lose until he loses. I understand he did lose against DC. That you know, DC hit him with a nice shot and put him down. But I think DC hit him harder in the second and third fight, and he stood right through it. So you know, yeah, but DC doesn't hit like Francis. No, but my point being is DC's a much better fighter than Francis is collectively, and Stipe was able to beat him. And, and dude, Stipe's a, a gold-glove boxer in himself. I'm on the opposite. I'm pulling for Francis because I think Francis is a more tougher challenge for Jones just because of the size and the strength. Like, I think Jones and Stipe, skill for skill, it's very even, but Jones cannot make a mistake with Francis. He cannot make a single error. I want to agree with you. But I think Jones is better than Stipe. Like, I want to be like, yeah, they're even, but I, I just, I don't think they're even. Oh, no, I said it's a closer fight, skill for skill, than it is for, for Francis and Jones. But, but I think with the, that power that Ngannou has, Jones cannot make a miss, take a misstep, or he is done. There's no one in the UFC right now that has the same skill set as John Jones. No one. His wrestling, his jiu-jitsu, his striking. There's no one who has the same skill set as him. What also helps him, too, is he has the longest reach of anybody in the organization, heavyweight or light heavyweight. Well, if you gave me a second, I was about to jump in but and say, but the one thing Ngannou has is the sheer size and just power that I don't care how big Jones gets is going to cause him a problem because you can't bully him. You can't With the lightweights, Jones was always the bigger, stronger fighter. He was able to put a lot of guys against the cage towards the back end. He was able to just bully him. Pick him apart with his range. So, I mean, look. You steroids are a wonderful thing. I don't think steroids had anything to do with him being able to keep himself long, keep you away. And but being bigger, stronger, and being able to bully people. Dude, the, the steroids in his system at this point have been deemed by everybody that they're not giving him any performance enhancers. Right now. They have been deemed it. Otherwise, he wouldn't be allowed to compete, dude. They give him special exemptions. He, yes, he's not but, allowed to fight in Vegas. Oh, God, now you're like UFC QAnon, dude. Come dude, on. Like, I understand. Okay, he's not allowed to fight in Vegas, but they literally have gone through with USADA and everyone else and have said the thing's going to show up in his blood for the next couple of years. It's not going to do anything for his performance. Otherwise, they wouldn't allow him to fight. Why would they allow him to fight if this thing in his blood was going to automatically give him an edge? So they looked away four other times. Why wouldn't they look away now? Because I don't think Dana White is going to be able to pay off Usada as much. All right. I mean, this is all speculation. I don't. I don't think this is a road that you guys want to go down. Trying to get back to talking about John Jones and neither of these guys. To your point about him not being able to kind of take a misstep if he faces Nagano, I think the last couple of fights, at least what I've seen of him, I think you've seen him. 
even though he's still easily like pound for pound the best, I think you've seen him wisen up, and I feel like he's been more defensive and and been more aware of the fact that he really doesn't want to get caught now. I'm not at the point where I think he's making business decisions yet. I think he's being smart, but I think he's a little on the fence there, and I think you could see it shift that way, but I wouldn't say it right now. I, I would compare it to the exact opposite of Anderson Silva, who as he got higher and higher would throw his chin out there and be like, I'm God and you can't touch me. And he, and he paid for it. I think John Jones is the opposite. I think as his, you know, prestige rises, he's being all the more careful of making sure that he's not giving anybody the chance to put him on the mat. And it's going to require them to beat him by decision or, you know, like outskill him, which they can't do. I agree with you because if you look at it, when Jones was younger, he'd brawl with you. He'd do everything, and he's he's at one of the best tactical camps in MMA. I mean, that Greg Jackson camp is literally built around John Jones. Oh, 100%. They have all have pointed out that the Greg Jackson camp plays favorites, and Jones is definitely top of the heap. You sh- he should be. He really should be. Why yeah, wouldn't he why, be? why wouldn't he be? Like, he should be. I mean, look, I know we're going to argue this out another day when, when Rob's here so you two can try and team up on me with this, but... He's the greatest of all time. You can talk about, oh, steroids, oh, this, oh, he's a scumbag, and he is a scumbag, and he should be in jail. And I have no problems with saying any of them things because he should be, and he is. However, inside the octagon, most of the time when he has won, it has been through his skills. His skills are top-notch. The only other person who I would say has a better skill set than he does is Demetrius Johnson. Because I ain't never seen anyone else throw someone up in the air and catch an armbar on the way down like he did. He practiced that, remember. Nobody fucking practices that, dude. There's no fucking way. Like, yeah, I practice that in the gym all the time. Against who? What asshole in the gym is letting you throw him in the air so you can catch an armbar? They were practicing suplexes. They were copying Brock Lesnar. Yeah, okay, dude. (laughs) They must have found a drunk bum outside and said, Yo, buddy, we'll pay you 20 bucks if I can throw you in the air and try this on you. No way. All right. <laughs> I think we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, Dan, anything to add? I, I did not expect Brock Lesnar to come up today. That's that's all I've got. Well, he is a free agent. Well, him coming yeah. back to the UFC could be a big thing, but as Paul likes to point out, steroids may be a problem. It's yeah. true. He might get a special exemption, too, just like he did for UFC 200. Pretty sure that boy just drinks milk straight from the cow, man. Does he just bench the cow and just yeah. suck on it? Have you seen his daughter? Mm-hmm. She looks just like him. Mm-hmm. So does his son. His son's a monster. Yeah, that's fine, dude. His son's going to be okay with that. I mean, the girl is going to be the man in the room the second she walks in. <laughs> She's talking about getting into wrestling, so I feel bad for those girls. Oh, God. And the guys. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> All right, Sean, anything else? Um, No, nothing, nothing really to add other than Jones is the undeniable best fighter in the world. And Paul Ryan's a fraud. Absolute fraud. All that's debatable. Um, No, the fraud is not. We will see you next time. Rob, you were not missed. Have a great day, everyone.